Welcome to Wide Awake. Whether you're a longtime follower of Christ, new to the faith, or someone who may be skeptical about the claims of Christ, we hope these next few minutes will build you up, encourage you, and help you wake up to deep, meaningful life in Christ. I'm Chris Clark, and I'm hosting Wide Awake today. Joining me in the studio is Chase Ifland and Jeff Lawrence. How are you guys doing on this fine summer morning? Doing good. You guys, you guys are tired after a long budget meeting, so I'm, I'm concerned <laughs> about how this is going to go. Yeah, rightly so. Pressing on, we're going to get there. Yes, it's we all are. good stuff, and you know, I think we're we're just excited about the building. Yes. I'm ready to get in and ready mm-hmm. to get going by there and I think filling out a budget and thinking about the next year and man there's so much exciting stuff going on we're, we're pretty pretty pumped about moving moving ahead so yeah welcome to wide awake in this season we're doing something different we're walking through church axioms which are short statements that capture some of our key commitments and desires as a church and I just want to remind you that we do have links in the show notes for each of these axioms and it would be helpful for you to go back and download those and just track along with us uh, on paper or digitally on your phone um, they will be helpful for you so if you missed the first four episodes we want to encourage you to go back give those a listen and with that, with that, we're going to go ahead and jump right in. Today, we're going to be talking about a pretty familiar term in the church, discipleship. If you've been around the church for any amount of time, you've likely heard this word a lot. And if you haven't, that is a totally different podcast episode. If your church isn't talking about discipleship, I don't know uh, what kind of church you're going to. But our hope for today's episode is to bring some clarity to what we really mean when we talk about discipleship at Redemption. Um, and so I want to caveat this with it will not be exhaustive. We could definitely spend an entire series on what we mean by discipleship. But for the sake of these axioms, this is going to feel a little bit more like a punchy summary of what it looks like to be a follower of Christ, a disciple, and how we as a church aim to encourage everyone to that end. So Chase, we're going to get started. If you would, just go ahead and read our axiom out loud and, and we'll discuss it a bit. All right. So this is axiom number four. Discipleship is for everyone. A disciple is a follower, a learner, a student. It's a general term, which means that you could be a disciple of a famous economist, a writer, a pop musician, a politician, or basically anyone. We're constantly absorbing things from outside influences, which can make us disciples, whether intentionally or unintentionally. As Christians, our first and deepest influence is Jesus. God sent Jesus to right the wrongs of sinful humanity and usher in a new kingdom where all would flourish as God intended. Jesus' work won't be completed until he returns in the future, but we all are invited to live under this good king and to learn to walk in his ways. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, Mark 8, 34. To take up one's cross is to deny oneself and learn a new way of living. The Bible describes this journey in several ways. We repent of our old ways and trust Jesus to give us new ways. We learn to put off the old self and to put on the new self. We cease walking in the flesh and start walking in the spirit. Christians call this lifelong growth process discipleship. To that end, every gathering, every group, team, friendship, and conversation is an opportunity to help one another learn to live the way of Jesus. As a church, everything we do is informed by Jesus' call to go and make disciples. Matthew 28, 
So Jeff, Chris, what stands out to you all as we read that axiom? I love axioms because I think they remind us of the the main thing and kind of refocus us on some of the big picture stuff of life. And this is actually a large part of why I became a pastor. When I was in college, I got involved with a group called The Navigators and began to be discipled by another guy. And in that process, I just began to see a, a more holistic way of thinking about Christianity that went way beyond just attending church. And just showing up for an hour a week on a Sunday, but began to see how all of life was really about following Jesus. And that process unlocked something new for me. And discipleship was was really something that's for every believer in Christ. It's something that everyone is called to do. Ministry wasn't something that pastors did and everyone else received, but we're all called to be ambassadors or representatives of Christ. We all have mission and ministry that we're to be a part of. And some of that outlook just it kind of blew the whole thing up for me and honestly just gave me a much bigger more exciting more robust picture of what christianity is all about and and kind of over time for me what that did was was just give me a vision of something that i wanted to give my life to and so that this really is foundational for me and even why i passed why i became a pastor why i started a church and kind of everything that flows out of that yeah, yeah I, I feel like I have a pretty similar story. I um, really grew in my faith in high school and, and just started getting serious about following Jesus. And then uh, to me, I didn't have a whole lot of examples um, of, of non-pastors who were serious about their faith. And so I thought, well, if I'm serious about following Jesus, that means I need to become a pastor. It was almost like what uh, kind of sparked the like desire for, for uh, to go to seminary and, and pursue pastoral ministry. And then I began to study the Bible more and read church history and read contemporary Christian books and realized that, like you said, Jeff, no, it's actually that this is what every Christian is called to, to follow Jesus. And Still went into ministry, but ha- had a more holistic view of like, this is what everyone is called to. Every Christian is called to follow Jesus like like this. Yeah, it's so good. You know, what first comes to mind for me, I, I particularly love the opening uh, paragraph of this axiom and, and understanding a little bit more holistically what a disciple is. It's a follower, a learner, a student. Um, I mean, immediately I think about Karate Kid, you know, like I grew up watching those movies wax in the off, 80s. Wax off. And Daniel had a discipler, you know, and I wouldn't have put that language to it, but that's, it was such a clear picture of like him learning, not just karate, but like how to be a decent human being, how to have honor and respect. And so, um, you know, like that started to unlock what discipleship Mm -hmm. was for me as I stepped into the church and discipleship felt like this big church word, like, how do I attain this? And my story, um, really my most impactful first discipleship relationship was with one of my first bosses. And he was a painting contractor. He roped me in, was teaching me how to paint. But man, the rides in his truck were like this front row seat to a man who was living his life, doing all the things that we have to do, working, eating, caring for your family, you know, all of those things, but also following Jesus. I have this clear memory of like his big old thick leather Bible just sitting in the in the middle of our, our seat, you know, like he had always been, he was always spending time in, in the word. He always had something to encourage me with when I hopped in his truck. He always had, you know, just those things he was working out in life. And I mean, even the mess, I remember him like in arguments with his wife over the phone and then hanging up and being like, bro, this is just part of life, man. It just is hard. Like it's hard to serve. It's hard to be a good husband. And, and I just got to see somebody model for me for the first time, what it looked like to walk through life 
clinging on to Jesus and the Bible and the word. And to me, that was like the clear picture of discipleship that I've really hung on to over the years. And doesn't that change just the way we think about Christianity as a whole? You know, if someone is maybe they're you know new to the faith or just just exploring Christianity, and you think Christianity is well, it's that place you go and that big building on the corner that's got a steeple and a big stage and lights and uh, you know things that happen there, and you go you're supposed to go there for an hour on Sunday, and that's what Christianity is about. But you know, when you talk about sitting in a pickup with a dude talking yeah. life and watching him and living through his example, and it's just takes on a whole different kind of frame of mind when you yeah. think about what that looks like. And to me, that's what the church needs more than anything, yeah. is the salt and light of men and women walking out their mm-hmm. faith day in and day out and modeling for others what that looks like and what it looks like to to trust Jesus and the ins and outs of, of all the nitty gritty. Yeah. And you know, his wife was really good at this too. Um, she, I remember in our early dating years, she would even grab Emery and just say, come to the grocery store with me. And so they got to talk while his wife was getting things done for the house. But that was their intentional time to actually talk about just following Jesus and the way of life and her struggles and her doubts and her fears. And I think sometimes we discredit those everyday life things that we can be doing that are so impactful and so helpful in our discipleship and our formation as following Christ. Yeah, and this idea is baked into some of these words we've been using, like discipleship, or Chris, you just said following Jesus, like we use the term follower of Jesus. But I think if we've grown up in the church, we can just hear those words and not really think about what they mean. But to follow Jesus means that it goes beyond just believing that Jesus died for my sins and, you know, I get, I get to go to heaven when I die. It's a, to follow Jesus means to reorient all of life around right. his teaching and to model our life after Jesus, to literally follow him, follow in his footsteps. And uh, that means that being a Christian means doing this. You know, yeah. this is what being a Christian is, is following Jesus. You know what else is interesting that just popped into my mind, too, is that Paul actually talks to his disciples in this way, and he says it, he says it this way. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. And so I think sometimes we can get you know, confused, like, well, who are we following? Like, am I just supposed to be following Christ? But I love how Paul sets that example and says, like, I am seeking out Christ. And so he sets the example for every believer to say, somebody ought to be following you as you follow Christ. And I think that beautifully sets up what we're supposed to be about in this Christian journey. And I think, you know, when you look at the second half of that axiom, uh, an important part of what you're talking about is learning how to actually do that. And it's interesting because the Bible gives us these word pictures that look like clothing, like take off the old self and put on the new self. And we're having to learn to walk out of a whole new identity in Christ. We're having to learn to walk out and and learn a whole new way of of living and a whole new character set and what that what that looks like. And it's interesting to me that we sometimes come to Christianity and we think it's gonna be like a magic pill or there's a silver bullet or like there's some kind of, you know, grand poopah thing that just happens and life magically transforms. But what what we find out in our experience is that so much of it's like learning anything else. Mm-hmm. Like it takes work and discipline and you're you're learning to operate in a different way and you know, your your tongue wants to lash out at something, you're like, Nope, gotta Got to hold that in and learn to speak in a different way. I've got to learn to be more kind and generous. And, you know, I've got to learn to discipline myself with my finances. And I've got, you know, all these different ways. And it's not just self-help or doing something, but it is 
very, very similar to learning to ride a bike or something else. There's a yeah. practice and a, and a lifelong process of kind of conforming my life to, to look and, and picture more like right. picture Christ in a more accurate way. Let me nerd out on Karate Kid one more time, just briefly. <laughs> so like thinking about the way Daniel was learning karate, it wasn't through actual karate it was like through waxing a car. It was through, I, I think the new one, even there's a scene where the young kids like having to hang up a jacket over and over and over and over again. And he's learning a lesson. It's a discipline lesson. It's like, this is actually teaching me something deeper that goes beyond what, you know, what I'm trying to do right here and now. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. Like that is actually what discipleship is. It's not just Showing up to church, not just the quick thing. So let's let's change gears here. Why do we struggle to live this out? Like, what are some of the the common struggles right now that we're facing in living this out in the church and beyond? One of the things we talk about as a church is trying to be gospel centered and focused on the the heart of the gospel, which is the good news of Christ. And if we approach our discipleship from a performance mindset instead of a gospel mindset, I think we get ourselves in trouble. We need to be convinced of the grace of God before we try to grow in God. Mm-hmm. And when we when we get that order reversed, and we it, it's easy to get into kind of a checklist mindset or to a performance mindset or yes. an achiever mindset, you know. And and, and we, we get rewarded in life so so many times by. Yeah, and, you know, we succeed whenever we do well. Yeah. So you just, like, work harder, do more, try harder, you know, get smarter. And as we do those things, we get rewards. And discipleship is work, but if we're working from a place of trying to earn God's love right. as opposed to working from a place of, man, I've already got God's love, so I want to I want to honor Him and, and learn to walk in His ways because I know that's what's going to be good for me. Yeah. That mindset shift, I think, can really hinder our growth as a disciple. Yeah, I mean, the pitfalls of that reality are like any any one of us can be disciplined for a few days or a few hours or whatever else, you know. But if we're forgetting the grace of God when we lack the discipline to follow through with what we're trying to do, we're crushed by the failure. We're crushed by the, man, I, I guess I just am not, I don't have what it takes. I guess I'm not really a Christian. Like if we don't have our eyes fixed on Christ and what he did for us and our identity is in him and his finished work, then it can really derail our our discipleship process. Yeah, I kind of alluded to this earlier a little bit, but I think if if we just see Jesus as someone who gets us to heaven when we die, but not as someone who has relevant truth for our life or as someone to um, pattern our life after, then there just there wouldn't be any need for discipleship. And so we've got to go back to the Jesus of the Gospels and and see Jesus for who He is and the the teaching that He gives us and lays down to us and what He calls us. Um, too. And then, and then as we see Jesus as someone who has relevant truth for our life and is someone that we ought to follow, um, then it makes sense that we would follow him. I think a- another thing that keeps us from living this out is um, church structures. So um, we see a lot of, of church structures that are built around a person or, or an event. And it's just, it's easy as a church to get focused on um, seeing more and more people and numbers or seeing people converted and to, to lose the focus on um, deeply discipling people. And so, if the if the church pattern is all about numbers and an event and the stage, then um, it, it'll it'll be hard to to um, see people in the pews discipled, right? You know, Chase, just hearing you talk, I, I I was thinking about even your message last Sunday and what we've been walking through in the Book of Acts, and I, I think it's 
worthy to say that if love isn't a centerpiece of discipleship, then we too will fall on our faces. We just won't get it, and we will we'll be crushed by disappointment. And you know, I I thought about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane again, and and even Jesus, as he was, you know, walking the earth had a regular practice of meeting with his heavenly father. And we see Jesus praying in the garden and asking God to show him why he's about to do what he's about to do. And he was captured again by the love of the father. And that's why he was able to say, not my will, but yours be done. And I think that's a huge, you know, let's underscore that for discipleship. If we don't have love, like a love for God, a love for one another, Discipleship is just going to be rule following. Discipleship is just going to be disciplines and checking boxes and all of that. And then we actually might do damage to others if they don't see that we have love in the midst of who we're following. Yeah, I love that example. Jesus in uh, in the Gospels, one of the things that, that uh, verses that's kind of grabbed hold of me and in, in, in related to all this discipleship talk is it says that Jesus grabbed or, or called the disciples because he wanted to be with them. And I just think that's an incredibly powerful thing, that Jesus didn't just say, hey, sit down and listen to my teaching, but he wanted to be with them. And you see this continually, like he called some of them to go up the mountain with him, and he, he, was in, he was engaged relationally. Paul later says, like we shared with you, not just the truth, but our very lives. And so there's this relational connection that's grounded in love, and that's what ultimately fuels all of discipleship and what it's all about. With each of our axioms, we list several examples of what this looks like in real time. And so for the next few minutes, we're just going to read these and talk about main points and discuss them. So one of the ways that this works out in the life of our church is that the stage is not our primary focus. It may seem strange to say the stage is not our primary focus when, you know, church, you come in and everyone looks at the stage. But <laughs> the, the point of this is that we value deeply the corporate gathering of the church and, and getting everyone together to sit under the the preaching of the word, to pray, to fellowship, to commune, to sing and, and worship together. Um, as valuable as those things are, we want more for one another than just Sunday, Sunday morning attendance. Uh, really, the church is to equip all Christians to be representatives of Christ. And a church that grows together is constantly trying to raise up new people and reach new people and help them grow as disciples as well. Uh, I love how uh, Paul said this in Second Timothy. He said, teach these things to faithful people who will teach others also. Yeah. Uh, you can't do that from a stage. That's something that is life on life and has lived out in the relationships within the church and, and extends to every single person, not just to a few. Yeah. Another way this works itself out in the life of our church is that we grow best in face-to-face relationships. Yeah, Chase, I think this just goes back to what we were talking about earlier. I think we don't you don't have discipleship if you don't spend time with people, right? You don't have discipleship if you're not placing yourself under teaching, if you're not actually physically moving toward other human beings. And so we've experienced this in our church that face-to-face is always the best way. It's always the most meaningful. It's always the deepest interaction. And in a culture like our digital age, that's something that we have to continue to fight for. And I don't want to downplay the amazing benefits that we have of the digital world, but this has been for millennia the way that discipleship has carried on. And so that's going to be a main focus for us always is face-to-face relationships that are seeking Jesus together. 
Yeah, and you know, the truth of the gospel comes to each of us, and, and the truth of the gospel is the same for everyone, but our experience of the gospel and our experience of how that applies to our lives and how that shapes us and, and, and experience God's grace is unique. And so we need we need community to walk to walk alongside us, to offer care and, and uh, to, to live in, in connection, but also just to challenge us sometimes, to correct us, to right. offer both encouragement and admonishment. And those relationships, there's nothing to re- that, that can replace that kind of life-on-life, um, face-to-face thing that, that happens in, in a healthy church. You know, you hear that phrase, iron sharpens iron. And I, for years, I was like, oh, that's such a happy phrase, iron sharpens iron. Well, like... Actually, it's not like you're smashing iron mm-hmm. with a hammer and it's hot and it hurts. And um, and so sometimes I think we forget that part of the discipleship journey is is sharpening one another in that way, like lovingly hammering on one another and saying, man, are you really following Jesus here? Or being honest with ourselves and putting our brokenness mm-hmm. out in front of others. And that's that's a different way of looking at, you know, iron sharpens mm-hmm. iron. I think sometimes we just think, oh, that's that happy, like... Yeah, we grow together. I always remember there was a book called On the Anvil, and it was talking about a, a tool that's being placed on the anvil and being kind of sharpened and, and prepared for for its purpose. And I love that picture of discipleship, to think that you know we've all got this, this kind of God-given purpose about our lives, and it does take some reshaping and some sharpening, and some of that is, uh, is aggressively like going to going to alter our course, but the purpose is so that we can be effective as a tool in the hands of the master. Another emphasis that flows out of discipleship being for everyone is that we want transformation, not just information. Yeah, we don't just want to get into the word. We want the word to get into us. I love how James says we seek to be doers of the word, not merely hearers of the word. Mm. That means we study the Bible in order to apply it uh, to our actual lives. And this is one of the reasons why our, in our small groups, we have this pattern of uh, looking at the scriptures and then jumping into more practical questions of how does this truth work itself out in my life? So we, we take the Bible and then we apply it to our work, to dating, to marriage, to parenting, to friendships. And we do that in community so that we can encourage and challenge one another, hold one another accountable and um, just take the truth of the scripture and then allow it to um, get into our hearts and our minds and inform the way that we live. I think it's important to bring that up because I have sat in lots of small groups over the years, and it's easy to do to get lost in Bible study and not to really be honest and deep about what this Bible study is actually calling me to do in my life. And so, Chase, you preached on that last week. It's like, how do we get beneath the surface of just this, like, we're talking about God, but we're actually being transformed by God. And we can only do that by really opening our hearts to God and one another. You know, when I think about my kids and those that are most important to me, but, you know, even people in our church and what what I pray for and what I want for them more than anything is for people to come alongside them that would help them figure out how to live out truth. And they've got... They've got that ongoing relationship with someone that would help them do that. You know, when I think about my 13-year-old daughter, like the truth is the truth, but her living that out at her stage of life is going to look different than what my wife needs at her stage of life. And when I look at my, you know, my, my three sons and I just, you know, I pray that they've got people around them that are helping them figure out how to navigate college life and high school life 
and, and, and apply the truth and live that out in the midst of all that radical growth and change and newness and excitement of kind of growing up and moving into adulthood. And I just think that's what we need in, in, in life of our church is and people to come alongside us and help us figure out how do I live this out and how does this actually intersect with you know my desires and my wants and my identity and my uh, you know the, the the hunger and the passion and the the, the career that I want to carve out for myself and how, how does truth shape and inform the way in which I'm going to live. Yeah, Jeff, that's so good and brings us really to our last um, point here, which is that we want whole life discipleship. Yeah, Jeff, I, as you were just describing, you know, your family, like, and your desires to see your kids and, and your wife and yourself changed by people who are surrounding us and, and pointing us toward the truth, it, 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 that is it, right? That's whole life. Like, we've got to look at this from a wide-angle lens of all the relationships, the, our families, wherever you are in your life, your workplace, all of it is in submission to Christ and His way. And so how is it that we actually stay on the track and on the path of discipleship when, we, when we're looking at this whole thing? And it's, it's by reminding you know, each other of the importance of truth, that it's not just behavior modification, but by the fruit of the Spirit that we actually change, by Christ Himself that we actually change through community. And that we we can be strong in service. We can actually grow, and we can we can actually have strength in what we do on this earth as we grow as disciples. As we kind of come around to the end and wrap this one up, I think it's important to just consider kind of the the heart of Christ as we as we come to this idea of discipleship. It's easy to look at discipleship, and and, and it's I mean, we've got this tension because. Jesus says things like, you know, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, which is a death image. You know, you're going to take up the, the implement of your death and you're going to lay down your life and learn a new way of living. But I think it's, it's important to remember that Christ also said that he who loses his life will find it. Mm-hmm. The, the, the point and the goal of this is not that we, not, not that we just, the life's going to stink and we're going to lay everything down and we're just going to be miserable and it's going to be hard. And, you know, the, the, I think it's easy to kind of get that mindset sometimes or think that's what this is about. But ultimately what Jesus said is that when we lay our lives down, we actually find the life we really want. That he comes to give us new life. He comes to give us abundant life. He comes to give us a life of flourishing and a life that lasts forever. And so that's what I want to leave us with as we think about discipleship is to think about, man, I'm I'm trusting Jesus to give me the thing that I want the most and the life that I desire more deeply than anything else. Wide Awake is produced by Redemption Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If what we talked about today resonated, please subscribe to our podcast and share this episode with a friend. Also, we'd love to hear from you. If you have questions or topics that you would like for us to cover, you can email us at wideawake at redemptionokc.com. Lastly, if you're looking for more ways to wake up to deep, meaningful life in Christ, we'd love for you to join us for our Sunday worship gatherings. We gather each week at 10.30 a.m. to grow as followers of Christ. You can also join us by watching online at redemptionokc.com. All are welcome. The only requirement is to come as you are. Until next time, may the light of Christ shine on you.